Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, church. Great to see you today. I'm Pastor Rob, and we're talking about dealing with disappointment. Anybody gone through some disappointment recently? Yeah, maybe in the last week? Anybody this morning? Okay, hopefully not yet, right? Dynamite message, that's a setup for disappointment right there, isn't it? So hopefully that won't be the case here. But we started out talking about some very important things, how we can have disappointment with ourselves, We can actually, as we talked about last week, be disappointed even with God. And then today, probably the broadest of all, one of the toughest of all, is disappointment with others. How many have been disappointed with someone else recently? Oh yeah, you're you're in a lot of good company here, as we all are. I never get disappointed in people. Crickets, right? Those were not my words, but those words actually came from a friend of mine, and it puzzled me like it just did you there. Like, how can that happen? Tell me the secret. It's like one of those sales pitches, right, that I've got the one thing that I can share with you that will eliminate all disappointment from your life. That's what it sounded like to me, actually. So I probed a little bit further, and as I questioned him, They told me they used to get disappointed with people all the time. There's the truth right there, right? I knew it. Said, you know what, friends would let them down because they would say one thing and do another. Their kids, they had taught them their whole lives to act certain ways and they weren't acting that way. Even at work, they were part of a team and someone on that team would let everyone else down on the project they were working on and it would go on and on and on so they decided to do something about it. They said they'd only been doing this a couple weeks but it was working so far. They told me, here's the secret. Don't have any expectations of anyone. I'm like, that's the secret? I was just waiting, you know, I should have checked back with them to see how long that lasted. I couldn't believe it lasted even for a week. That is not the answer, is it? We all know that cannot be the answer. You can't just get rid of expectations. You may need to adjust some expectations, but can you imagine being a boss saying, hey, I have no expectations of you. You can show up anytime you want. It's not gonna happen. Can you imagine as a parent saying to your kids, hey, it's a free-for-all. I don't expect anything of you at all. You don't have to clean up after yourself. You don't have to do the dishes. You don't have to do anything. You just get to live here. Good luck with that, right? You can't just eliminate expectations, but it doesn't mean that there's not an answer. In fact, the good news is there is a way to deal with disappointment. God tells us what it is. And not only that, it's so important that we deal with it properly because if we don't, as we learned last week, we're gonna go into this downward spiral and we'll even see where that downward spiral will take us. You know, some disappointments are small, some are huge. It doesn't matter because they all cause pain is what they do. And so we're gonna have to deal with them. And one of the ways we deal with them is through a couple, actually one in particular, of what's called a one another command that God gives. I want you to take a Bible, if you would, and turn to Ephesians chapter four. If you got a physical Bible, great, because I'm gonna encourage you to underline one verse here. We're just gonna spend a little time there. If you got an electronic version, you can highlight it. I'd encourage you to take a screenshot of it. 
even when it's up here on the screen. But in a moment, we'll get there, Ephesians chapter four. But God's desire for us when we've experienced disappointment with someone else is for us to be reconciled to them. And the beginning of reconciliation is something called forgiveness. The beginning of reconciliation is forgiveness. Would you say that with me? The beginning of reconciliation is forgiveness. You might have thought, well, that's the end of reconciliation. No, because they're not the same thing. And the forgiveness process is gonna have to start much, much sooner than the actual reconciliation, and sometimes reconciliation won't even come. But God gives us some great hope here in one of these one another commands, and we're gonna see it here in a verse. Ephesians chapter four and verse number 32. So if you drop down there, I want you to look at this with me. It's the last verse of the chapter. It says, be kind and compassionate to, there's the two words, one another, forgiving each other. You see, Ephesians was a book written by the Apostle Paul to a group of people, and a group of people who happened to live in a place called Ephesus, and they were part of a church, actually, and so Paul packs this letter to them full of relational wisdom, and that's why you see the one another commands. I encourage you, in fact, you'll see them a few times in just this chapter, and he gives advice on family relationships, outside the family, in the church, outside the church as well. Very important ones. And this is one. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. There you have it. The beginning of dealing with disappointment in others is what? It's forgiving each other. We need to do that. Have you ever considered the amazing forgiveness of God? There's nothing that can keep us from God's love, he tells us. Nothing can separate us from his love at all. Not one thing. It even tells us, and this is mind-blowing, isn't it? It says, while we were still sinners is when Christ died for us. Wow. Wow. And so, what he's saying is, I want you to forgive like that. I want you to forgive like I forgive. Here's the problem. It is not natural, is it? When I've been caused pain, when someone hasn't met my expectations, it's oftentimes painful. And I don't want to forgive at that point. In fact, the reality is, is that the natural, for me, kind of looks total opposite of that. It looks like this. The way to get rid of the pain of disappointment is to distance myself from the one who caused the pain. Anybody else? That's your experience? Yeah, that's what's natural. But you see, God is saying, I don't go distant. I don't deal with it that way. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness needs to start immediately so that we can see the reconciliation happen, so we can see the disappointment go away rather than let it spiral downwards. So here's the big question, how, right? How do we forgive like God does? Okay, for that I want you to turn just a few pages over, okay, to one of the Gospels. It's the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. In Luke 15, we're gonna see that Jesus tells this phenomenal story 
A great story. And there's a reason for it we're gonna see here at the beginning before we get to the story. There's actually three stories that he tells and we're only gonna hit the third of the three. I'd encourage you sometime during the week to go back and look at the others as well. But aren't you so glad that Jesus was who he was? God and man. Because we get to see how he deals with people. Do you ever think Jesus was disappointed? Imagine this. Jesus tells his best friends, Peter, James, and John, I'm gonna be crucified basically in a few hours, okay? And so let's go pray. And he prays, and he comes back, and what are they doing? They're sleeping. Think there's a little disappointment there? He looks at Peter. He says, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times, and then a rooster's gonna crow. You'd think after the first time, Peter would have said, oh, there's my one strike. I better not mess up again, right? He didn't. He went ahead. And he did exactly what Jesus predicted he was going to do. You think there's a little disappointment in that? Oh, man, that would be painful, wouldn't it? Jesus was disappointed. He knows disappointment. He knows what he's talking about. And so he's going to tell this story. But like I said, we need to start in the first two verses of Luke chapter 15 because there's always a context to the stories that Jesus is telling. And this time, the context is this. He overhears. I don't know if he really overheard or he just knew what was going on in their hearts because he was God, right? Wouldn't it be scary to be around when Jesus was thinking, oh man, can he read my thoughts right now? He can, okay? Still can. So let's look at the thoughts that he was reading. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners, those are the people who disappointed God right there. In fact, definition really of sinner is what? Someone who hasn't met God's expectation, Right? Hmm, sounds like me. Sounds like you. That's who he was hanging around. In fact, he was eating dinner with them. Can you imagine that? Somebody had a problem with it. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees, the people who thought they never disappointed God, (laughs) interesting contrast, isn't it? But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Don't you love that word? I can just imagine them whispering, right? Muttering, kind of fun word there. He says, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Well, Jesus couldn't just leave that alone. They didn't even know that he understood what they were saying about him. But he needs to deal with that and he needs to straighten some things out because you know what their attitude was? If we're disappointed with them, God definitely has to be disappointed with him. And if this guy says he's God, then what in the world is he doing hanging out with him? Right? That would be an easy conclusion to come to. So he begins to tell this story. The story is a very powerful story, actually. Very important story. But aren't you glad that Jesus is so gracious that he even gets accused of being gracious? Man, the grace of God is so important. And we see here this story. You've probably heard the name of it before. I'm not saying it's misnamed, but we're not gonna spend the time on the character that it's named after all that much because the other two characters are just as important, especially when it comes to dealing with disappointment. Anybody ever hear of the prodigal son before? Yeah, that's the story. The prodigal son. But there's two other characters here. There's a father and there's a brother. And they both deal with disappointment in a great way, but contrasting ways. One appropriately and the other very inappropriately. 
You see, the Pharisees were saying this. We don't understand how you can associate with people that regularly disappoint God and us. So Jesus tells a story. Let's jump down to it, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate so that he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Anybody like, I can relate to that, okay? College years, okay? Yeah, all right, I thought so. After he had spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country. He wasn't expecting that. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Let's stop there for a moment. Like I said, we'll spend a little time on the prodigal himself. This is the prodigal right here that we just read about. You see, what happens here is he does and causes great disappointment, doesn't he? Have you ever noticed this? I don't know that there's any greater disappointment than those we love who hurt us the deepest. Have you ever noticed that the people who have the greatest impact on your life, and I'm not saying positive or negative because it's gonna be a little bit of both, isn't it? Fall into two categories. Those who have hurt you the deepest and you can't get it out of your head and those who have loved you the strongest. Those are the most influential people in our lives. And we need to choose what do we do with those who have hurt us the deepest because, again, they're probably the ones who have loved us as well. And you can look at this story, the prodigal, and you can say, well, it's just a story, right? Hmm. But it's happened over and over and over again. When I say it's just a story, it's kind of like I'm watching a movie with my wife and tears just start coming down her eyes. Usually it's because the animal just died, okay? Don't ever watch um, Old Yeller with her or something like that, okay? And I look at her and I say, it's just a movie. One of these times I'll get slapped for that comment, right? We can read the prodigal and we can say, well, it's just a story, but if you've ever had a prodigal, it's not just a story. Because the story of the prodigal is real. And it's real in our lives when someone we deeply love hurts us deeply as well. And we don't know what to do with it. And so God tells us there's one of two responses here. But let's feel the pain a little bit. I don't like to, to do that. But we need to feel the pain a little bit, right? Because we can just gloss over it and say it's not a big deal. You see, the decision this young man was making, they were heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. You see, what he had basically said is this. It seems like a simple request, but his entitlement led to disrespect. He said, give me my share of the estate. 
my share, right? That he says he felt like he was obligated to be able to receive this. But do you notice what he did? The timing of this is so important, isn't it? Because there's only one way that you get in a state. How is that? Death of another person. So basically, he was saying to his dad, would you please die so I can get your stuff? Ouch. You are better off to me dead than you are alive. Imagine if your spouse said to you, we've got life insurance on you, right? Can I have it? Like now? And you're like, uh, there's a problem. It's not a problem for me. It might be for you. You see the disrespect. You see, this person wanted pleasure more than they wanted relationship. And so they caused great pain to that person. That's disappointment. Not only did his entitlement lead to disrespect, we also see that He's a child who chases after prostitutes, we'll find later. Says he squanders it all in wild living. Imagine a child caught up in substance abuse. You're grieving, wishing it wasn't true, thinking over and over again, that's not how we raised you. Just waiting for the day that that wild living's gonna take their life. And some have seen that happen. That's disappointment, isn't it? Because the people we love the deepest oftentimes are the ones who disappoint us the most and hurt us the most. And we have a decision to make. Do I try getting rid of the pain by getting rid of the person or do I do it God's way? Who's disappointed you to the point of cutting off the relationship? Who is it? We've all had it happen before. Now how long it takes place, that's up to you. His emotional distance led to a physical distance. He set off for a distant country even. He wasted what he'd been given to him. He squandered wealth and wild living, just what every parent wants of their child, right? Here's the picture of success. Let me put put that on Facebook. Everything I gave to him is gone. Wasted. And the thoughts start coming in. You got exactly what you deserve. Hope that teaches you a lesson. That's not the response that he gets, though. He comes to his senses. Some Bible scholars say that is the point of repentance right there. I don't know that it is quite yet. He comes to his senses because he's hungry, but he looks to the right place. He says, I could go back to my father even as a servant and be much better off than I am right now. He looks back to the father, just like we all need to do when we're the prodigal, and we all are prodigals in need of coming back to our Father. See, the disappointment was great, but God's grace is even greater. Aren't you glad for that? Man, it's unimaginable. I can't understand how God can love me when I disappoint him. And if I can't understand that, then I'm gonna have a really difficult time understanding how he can ask me to forgive someone who's disappointed me. He says, until you understand the forgiveness that he gives at any cost, then I won't understand how I can do the same. 
Let's look at the father's response. If you jump down here, we're gonna see the forgiving father. I think it would be a better title, actually, for this parable. If we look at verse number 20, we begin to see his response, and it's a, it's a powerful response. It's a crazy response, because God's forgiveness is crazy. It says, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Compassion for him. Can you imagine that? It says, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. It's kind of like he was waiting for him, isn't it? It says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's repentance right there. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he wouldn't even let those words ring true in his mind. He says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. When God says forgive like I have forgiven, that's what he's talking about right there. You see how unnatural that is for us. How hard it is. You see, what he did was he made a decision early on, we can see because he was looking probably day after day after day that this disappointment go away by having reconciliation. Meaning he made a choice early on. I will forgive, I will forgive, I will forgive. He was wanting, waiting, and welcoming. That was his posture that he held He said, I'm gonna hold on to this. I am going to want, always want their return, always want the best for that person who has hurt me and caused me pain. I won't stop wanting that for them. I'm gonna wait and watch for them to return. I'm going to anticipate it. Sometimes it never happens. But to wait for it, to wait for them, to come back again, whoever that is that's hurt you, whether it be a parent, whether it be a child, whether it be a friend, whether it be a coworker, and then to welcome them when they do. That's the posture of our Heavenly Father, right there. And when he says, I want you to forgive like I forgive, I want you to hold that same posture You see, thoughts of how a person is disappointed us, they have to be exchanged. They have to be exchanged in anticipation of a day when they will return and the relationship will be restored, but that's a choice. Because forgiveness is a decision and the quicker you can make that decision after the pain has been caused, it will keep you from spiraling downward to another place. God's saying, I want that for you. And I want that for the person that has hurt you as well. So that you are prepared for reconciliation if and when that day comes. What a beautiful day you'll be able to celebrate. That's our Father. And when he says forgive like I forgive, that's what he's saying. He wants us to do that. To have that posture of wanting, waiting, and welcoming someone's return to the relationship. But there's another way. There's another way we can attempt to deal with disappointment. And this one will spiral you downward. And I found it doesn't matter how big or how small the offense is. And if you're a person who's easily offended by someone, that spiral is going to be 
huge. And it will land you in the exact same place as the big hurts because it will become a big hurt if you don't deal with it properly. And we're gonna see here, beginning in verse number 25, a perfect example of that. This time, the older brother. Picture yourself here, if this could possibly be you. It says, meanwhile, while the older son was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And obviously the end of the story is the brother comes and he parties, right? No, not so much. Not so much. In fact, we see what happens in verse 28. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out. Look at the father's grace here. This is unimaginable grace. So the father went out and pleaded with him. He pleaded with him. He'd already lost one son. He didn't want to lose another here. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You see the contrast? It's kind of hard to miss, isn't it? You see, the older brother took on a different posture. He was disappointed in his younger brother quite a bit. And as he heard and heard about all the things that he had been doing, I'm sure that disappointment even grew stronger and stronger. You see, his posture was one of disgust, distance, and disillusionment. That downward spiral that we've been talking about, that's exactly where it's gonna land you, in a place called bitterness. That's where it will land you. He was disgusted. Says he became angry and he refused to go in. He missed out on the celebration because it is a thing to celebrate when someone reconciles. When the person who's disappointed us returns, that is something to be celebrated, not to become angry at. He didn't think anybody should be celebrating. And then he created distance. We don't see the physical distance, but it probably ended up happening, we can assume. But he created an emotional distance. You see what he did? He said, this son of yours. He didn't say, my brother. He was beginning to cut off relationship. He had already cut off the relationship with his brother. But here's the sad part that oftentimes we don't realize he began to cut off his relationship with his father as well. Did you hear what he said to him? I am just a slave. In fact, now I'm recognizing and realizing that's all I've ever been. I've been slaving for you for years. I've done everything that you've ever asked me to do, and you've given me nothing. Do you remember that inheritance? Do you remember what it told us? It was split. He received it. He did. 
In fact, he received more than the younger brother because that was a tradition. He had received, but he was committing to a distance in the relationship. And then he was disillusioned because that's what bitterness does to each and every one of us. Did you catch the words? You never. You never cared for me like you cared for him. You never even gave me a celebration party with my friends, and I've been the good child the whole time. Wow. You see, it is so easy when someone has disappointed us to focus on the pain and focus on ourselves. And it is so difficult to focus on God and his goodness. See, disappointment in others doesn't just distance us from them. It also distances us from our Father. And that is the worst part of the spiral. Because a God who is saying, I want you to forgive like I forgive, and you say, no, God, no. You say, I can't do that. You can't. <laughs> Not by yourself, you can't. You have to receive the grace in order to give that grace away. When we focus on the pain of disappointment, we distance ourselves from the individual who has disappointed us, all while hoping to never be hurt again, while we relive that pain over and over and over and over again in our minds. You think that's gonna make it go away? No, it's gonna solidify it to the point of bitterness. And that spiral will end you in bitterness, never restoration. So how do we deal with it? A lot of tough questions, right? But here's the toughest of all, and I want you to really think about this one. Is there someone in your life right now where you're dealing with disappointment like the bitter brother? Is there? What are you gonna do about it? The pain can be great, but it's not just gonna go away by thinking about it. You need to exchange it. Need to forgive like God forgave you while you were still a sinner. It's not when the forgiveness happened, but God committed that he would once you return. You see, if you don't at least commit to being willing to forgive, then it won't happen even if they do return. And so to take that posture of the Father, to be able to want and wait and welcome, if that day happens, that's what we need to be prepared for. And imagine the celebration that would take place if that were to happen. So rather than focus on the hurt, preparing our heart by wanting and waiting for them to return. That's what God wants for every single one of us. So what does that look like for you? It may look like going to someone and telling them the pain that they've caused in hopes that they will reconcile. That's a hard thing to do, but that's what God wants because he wants that as much as in your power to be restored. 
Maybe you're here and you've never been restored to God, never received the forgiveness that he offers. He says there's only one requirement that you come to him. You come to him and confess your sins to him and he will forgive. Tells us he'll save. If we'll come to him, because we're all starting out prodigals in need of a savior. So in a moment, we're gonna pray. I'm encouraging you, if you've never trusted Jesus, if you would today, if you have, but there's someone in your life right now that you need to go to because you've been acting like the bitter brother, now's the time to commit to God to change that. Would you pray with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you'd say, I'm that prodigal and I wanna return. I wanna come back home. I need that forgiveness that God offers. And pray to him right now. Maybe a prayer like this, dear God, I understand that my sin has not met up to your expectations. And I need forgiveness. And I need salvation. And so I'm asking you for it right now. I believe that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he was buried and he rose from the grave so that I could be saved. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, you'd say, today, whether it be online, whether it be at one of our campuses, you'd say, that's me, I'm trusting Jesus for my salvation. Would you just raise a hand? Just let me know that, indicate it. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're here today, again, heads bowed, eyes closed, you say, the Holy Spirit's prompting me I've been acting like the bitter brother and I need to act like my heavenly father and I need to forgive and begin that process of reconciliation. You say, that's me. Would you just raise your hand? There's someone comes to mind. Okay, all right, thank you. Again, at each of our campuses as well. Lord God, I pray for each one, Lord, who's raising their hand saying, I need help in forgiving. God, I pray that you'd give them the strength that they would recognize and realize the grace that they've already received, God, from you, and they can extend it to others, God, and help them, Lord, to be able to forgive like you forgive. We praise you, we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, and everyone in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.